Hello, rich girls. Welcome back to the Old Money Podcast. This is the show for women building the trust funds they wish they were born with. And I'm your host, Amber Frankusen. This is a new episode. I mean, yes, of course it's a new episode, but it's also new sound. I have, unbeknownst to myself, invested in a full new audio rig. So I have new cords. There's this little red thing that's plugged into my computer. All I'm trying to do is improve the quality of the show for y'all. And in the meantime, I've become an IT girly. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I hope it sounds better for you. And we're here on a beautiful Tuesday night. I have a glass of red wine in front of me and I have the house to myself. Justin is traveling. So I'm on a podcasting spree. I'm so inspired. I'm so happy to be creative and I miss him, but I'm also very grateful for the alone time. I don't know if I have any other only children listening, but if you're an only child, you know your natural state is just aloneness and independence. And so when I get that time to myself, I really do treasure it. So tonight, Poppy and I went on a super long DLW. That's a dog-led walk where I let her go where she needs to go and she gets to take her time. And that is that is Poppy's idea of a rich life, okay? And I put together this podcast stand so... Hopefully I won't hit the mic on my desk as much anymore. And today I had a really good conversation. I was a guest on another podcast, Marley's podcast called Confessions of a Wannabe It Girl. I'll link it in Instagram when it goes live, but it was a really good conversation and it was all focused around the real basics of getting out of debt, starting to invest. And I was thinking about it later and it inspired me to create today's episode, which is all about net worth and tracking our net worth, because that is literally the entire game that we're playing. We're talking about investing. We're talking about calming your financial fight or flight. We're talking about saving. We're investing. We're, I think I already said investing. We're maximizing our credit card points, but like, what are we doing it for? The end game is the simplest math equation of them all. And it's all about net worth. And if you are not tracking your net worth, you really don't have any idea your financial health. So I want to help. I made something for you. It's completely free. You can download it right now. If you go to oldmoneypodcast.com slash net worth, all one word, net worth, oldmoneypodcast.com slash net worth, and you can download in Google Sheets your own net worth tracker. Because if you are not tracking your net worth, you do not know your financial health. And I know a lot of people are thinking, how the hell do I track my net worth? So I made a net worth tracker for you. Again, you can download it completely for free. What's going to happen is you're going to go to oldmoneypodcast.com slash net worth. You'll put in your name and your email and an email will get sent to you directly. And in it will be a link to a Google sheet. Okay. There's a button in the middle. You don't even have to read what I wrote. There's a button that says, get your free net worth tracker. Click that button. It's going to open a view only Google sheet. All you need to do is make a copy of it. That's all you need to do. Make a copy of it. That template just lives there so everybody can access it. But when you make a copy of it, then you own it, then you can edit it. And then you can plug in all of the things you need to plug in to track your net worth. So again, it's oldmoneypodcast.com slash net worth. But what is a net worth? Like, what are we talking about here? Essentially, net worth is the only financial barometer that you need to understand the health of your finances and also see where you fall in line with the rest of the world. Because the net worth tracker is how everybody is talking about wealth. Okay, let's break it down. 
when we are talking about the wealthiest people in the world and people say Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, what are they talking about? They're talking about their net worth. And the net worth is basically your assets, the things that you own, minus the liabilities attached to you, which are the things that you owe. And that gives you your net worth or your net wealth. This number can be positive or negative. And so when we look at Elon Musk, for example, right now, his net worth is valued at $202 billion. And the reason that number fluctuates all the time is because part of his net worth and part of the assets that he owns are the businesses that he has stakes in, like Tesla or X, Twitter, whatever. And those are going to change in value based on what the market says, what what happens on a day-to-day. When we look at the next person on the list, we're looking at Bernard Arnault. We've talked about him before. He's the owner of LVMH. His net worth is currently at $183 billion. And the majority of his wealth comes from the fact that he owns a massive stake in Christian Dior SE, which is not the brand Christian Dior. It's a holding company that controls 41% of LVMH. And remember, LVMH are Louis Vuitton, Moet and Hennessy, Christian Dior, Fendi, Givenchy, Kenzo, Loewe, Celine, all of these other brands, right? So he owns this conglomerate of brands essentially through a holding company. And then there's also the fact that he owns real estate and he has assets um, outside of his company holdings. So your net worth is comprised of all of the assets you owned minus the liabilities. And when I say the math is that simple, the math is that simple. That's literally all you need to know to calculate your net worth. But of course, when you break it down, there's a lot of components that go into it and we will talk about those. But I also want to talk about the fact that net worth is kind of like the new status symbol. So if you're perusing any of the financial pages on Reddit, as I always do night after night, I'm so addicted, you guys. It's like my feed is handbags, Bravo, Real Housewives gossip, Taylor and Travis gossip, which I just like, I love their love. I can't hate on their love, you know? And then also the fat fire pages, the chubby fire pages. I talk about this on, speaking of another podcast, it was just on Teak Talks with Jennifer Jacobs. You guys, that podcast is going to pop off. We talk all about luxury marketing, branding, all the things, but where was I going with this? Oh yeah. Anyway, fat fire. Fat fire stands for financially independent, retire early. Well, that's the fire part. F-I-R-E, financially independent, retire early. And fat means when you do that, when you retire early and you're financially independent, that you're going to live large. You're going to be like Dan Blazerian with a bunch of chicks on your yacht and you're going to go big. And then chubby fire means you're going to be retiring early still, but you're going to live well, but not crazy. And then lean fire means that you're going to retire early and basically live on rice and beans for the rest of your life because you just don't want to work. So there's all these different fires, these different like criterias. And people are now really spouting off on their net worth and like putting it in the chat and getting feedback and saying like, how am I doing based on my age, where I live, if I'm in a high cost of living area or low cost of living area, all these different things. So the net worth number is really like the new flex because the amount of money you make every year in your salary honestly doesn't really mean anything if you don't keep any of it eek. Doesn't that hurt? It's like the most painful thing. You could be making a very healthy six-figure salary and spending your six-figure salary every single year. So at the end of the year, you have not added to your net worth. If you're doing that, we need to talk, go back to the financial fight or flight episode because that's a big problem. However, there is no like one number that everybody's trying to hit. It's going to depend on what your circumstances are. As I mentioned previously, 
If you live in a high cost of living area like San Diego, Miami, New York, LA, San Francisco, your total net worth number that you're going to need to get to to retire might be higher than somebody that lives in Minneapolis or Tulsa or Kansas City or even parts of Texas. So the the idea that there's one number to hit, no, it's totally different for every single person. And it also depends on what type of life you want to live. Do you want to have a fat life, a chubby life, or a lean life, right? So depending on what your expectations are, that might adjust your target number for net worth. When you're looking and comparing at these people who are talking about it on Reddit, for example, if you can look at somebody's income right now, what they're projected to earn over the next few years, their total assets now, their total liabilities now, and just kind of the rate of inflation and the rate of assumed growth of their net worth in the stock market, it's really easy to figure out if that person's going to fat fire, lean fire, or chubby fire. You can literally just mathematically figure it out. That's another episode. Today, we're just breaking down your net worth and what it means for you. And I'm going to help you do that with a net worth tracker. One more thing just to keep in mind, because I talk about this all of the time, which is high net worth people and ultra high net worth people. I just wanted to throw this in here because I talk about it often, especially as we talk about old money families, old money people. And you know, I just talked about Elon and Bernard. So it's like, where do we all fit in in this? The reality is that the average net worth of US households is $192,000. So this is all US households. And again, the median. So that means where most people are, not the average, but where most people are, is $192,000. Now, a net worth is not just a retirement number. It can be, you can have a net worth when you're 18, 20, 25, 35, whatever. But essentially, when we think about net worth, it's like, how much money do we want to accumulate so that we can retire comfortably? But it's also about how we want to live while we're living, right? Not just while we were retired. So while the median net worth of US households is $192,000, the average is $1,063,700. And you're like, wait, why is the average so much higher than the median? It's because the wealthiest households have so much money that when you take all of the money in the US and divide it by how many people there are, the people that have a ton of money make that average so much higher. Remember, $192,000 is the median. That's what most people have. But the people that are super wealthy drive that average number up. And now we're talking about high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. I talk about these types of people in my job all the time. They're often our target customers for our clients. So for example, we represent a yachting company. We're definitely talking to somebody who's an ultra high net worth consumer. They're going to need to have $15 million to spend on discretionary spending on just a yacht. And that's just for the purchase, not to mention the maintenance and all the other stuff that comes along with owning a yacht, the fuel, the docking, the slip fees, um, the, you know, hiring a crew, basically filming below deck on your yacht, you know, all of those other fees. An ultra high net worth person is somebody who has it's kind of ambiguous. It's anywhere between five and $30 million of net investable assets, meaning they have assets. Their net worth is over, I like to say 30, typically $30 million, because that's the kind of echelon we're talking about for yachting. So that's an ultra high net worth person. A high net worth person is somebody who has a million dollars in liquid assets. Liquid means that you can basically get the cash immediately if you need to. So it's something that's not tied up in another asset in which you would need to sell. So 
uh, liquid would mean you have it in your savings account, your checking account, you have it ready to deploy to investments. When it's tied up, that's like if you have it in a house or a business, you need to sell the business or sell the house to get the money out of it. So again, when we're talking about a high net worth individual, somebody who has a million dollars or more in liquid assets, you might be very close to that, but in illiquid assets, meaning maybe you own a house, you're building equity in that house. This really positive net worth number can come about very, very quickly, especially if you're playing the game, the old money game that we talk about all the time. So let's talk about the net worth tracker. And I want to talk first, before we jump into it on the details here, why this can be hard for some people, especially if you don't know what the number is going to be at the end of that spreadsheet. I talked about this once before, but my beautiful college roommate, friend, Natalia Benson, she has the Natalia Benson podcast. I did an incredible workshop with her. Um, She was hosting, I think, hundreds of women at one time. I was driving when I was listening, and she was taking these women through this beautiful meditation to really get them into a peak state where they were envisioning their highest and best self, and they were envisioning the future they desire for themselves, and they were praying into why they wanted to work on their finances and emboldening themselves to give themselves the courage to be able to do so. And when she got to the end of this guided meditation, she asked her audience for feedback of how they were feeling after kind of dropping in and getting really present with what they were doing, which is, was about to talk about money. And the women in the, in the class were saying, I feel like I could do anything. I feel empowered. I'm excited. I feel energized. I'm ready to do this. And that is the type of state, thank you, Natalia, that we all need to get into before we tackle looking at our finances, especially if we're coming from a place of fear or a place of the unknown. If you are dreading this exercise because you're thinking, fuck, I'm going to be in debt. I'm going to have a negative net worth. I want to let you know it's okay. Everybody starts from somewhere. And even if you start in the red, in the negative, in your net worth, that doesn't mean you can't go to the positive. Building a positive net worth is possible for everybody. It's possible for you. So if you're feeling nervous before you start to open your accounts and plug the numbers into the spreadsheet, I just want to let you know, I feel you. I've been there too. When I first started tracking my net worth, I did not have a lot of money. In fact, I actually have my net worth tracker up here and I started tracking it in February of 2016. And since then, I can do the math, but my God, that number is very small to where I am right now. It's grown exponentially since I started paying attention to it. As they say in business, you cannot manage what you don't measure. You have to measure things in order to see them grow. It's kind of like, you know, when you were a kid and you go to your grandparents' house and you stand against the wall so your grandpa could put that pencil on top of your head to see where you grow. And it's only when you look back at those other pencil marks on the wall that you're like, oh my God, I used to be that small. Look at me now. I could never imagine being that small. You need to have these physical representations. And that's why I recommend checking in with your net worth tracker maybe every 90 days. I do it about that time. It's not something I track religiously. I just want to make sure that it's trending in the right direction. So taking a cue from Natalia's workshop, I want to say, if you're feeling nervous, there's a lot of things that you can do to pump yourself up. Number one, you can get into a meditation. There are a lot of free meditations out there to really talk about money and mindset. You can do a superhuman trial. I love superhuman meditations. Mimi Bouchard is the one who does those. And they're just so helpful for getting in the right mindset. You can do a Dr. Joe Dispenza meditation for free if you download them online. You can go to YouTube for any free meditations. You can also 
do some physical activity before you look at your money. So like doing some jumping jacks and pushups, lifting some weights beforehand, getting yourself into more of a physiological peak state. I talked about this on the last episode, all about Tony Robbins, but you want to get yourself pumped up to do this. Okay. I want to make sure that you're clear. You're not over caffeinated. You're hydrated. You're ready to go. And you don't have to do this all at once. You can definitely break this up into many little sessions. If you want to do 25 minutes at a time, take a break, come back to it the next day. Just commit to me, commit to yourself that you're going to do this because tracking your net worth is going to be the most tangible measurement of your financial fitness as you're on this journey to building wealth for yourself and generational wealth. Now, to get started on this, you're going to need to download the Net Worth Tracker. Again, it's oldmoneypodcast.com slash net worth, and you'll get an email to download the tracker that you can use for yourself. Nobody else can see this. This is yours. You're making a copy onto your local Google Drive so that you can use this form, and you're going to start plugging the numbers in. And as we go through this, you're going to notice there's two different categories. There's assets, which is what you own, what you have. And then there's liabilities, what you owe. Now, I've put in some examples here of cash and checking, long-term savings, investments. Maybe you don't have all of these different categories yet, but that's okay. You can always add more categories too if you have more accounts than I've listed here. So always go ahead and use that insert row above or row below, that cute little function on Google Sheets. We love her. And also if there are things in here that you don't have yet, it's okay to leave them in so that you can think about getting them in the future. So starting from the top, we're going into assets, okay? So what I want you to do is to start by plugging in the start date where it says start date. So you have a date of when you're first recording this. This is exciting. I hope you're excited. And we're gonna start figuring out your net worth, okay? So at the top, we have cash and checking. So I'm thinking about checking account balances here. If you have Wells Fargo, Chase, a local bank, a local credit union, you should put in your checking account balance and then your savings account balance. Now, this was a really good question that Marley asked me today when I was on her podcast, which is like, what's the setup for bank accounts? And for my checking account, they require me to have a savings account along with that checking account. And they have to have a minimum in it. I have to have a minimum. It's like 500 bucks. So I just leave the 500 bucks in there and I don't put any more money in there. And the reason for that is because I use Wells Fargo and they pay shit rates for interest on savings. So the second section on here is long-term savings. I have in parentheses HYSA. That stands for high yield savings account. Savings account one, two, three, and four. I have eight, okay? And I'm gonna tell you some of them now, but these are my long-term savings accounts that I have in Capital One. I like Capital One because it's super easy to set up nicknames or name my accounts so that I know exactly what I'm earmarking my funds for. And they also have a really good savings rate. I'm getting anywhere between four and a half and 5% on all of my accounts. So to give you an idea, on my long-term savings, I have my emergency fund. I have my Christmas gifts funds, my luxury travel funds, my Botox funds, Poppy's account, designer splurges. We have a wedding fund, our house fund, all the things that are in there I have in long-term savings. Now, this savings, most of it I will try to keep, right? Like emergency fund for sure. I'm trying to keep onto that. And when my emergency fund gets depleted because of an emergency, I'll replenish it. So I'll stop putting money into my Botox fund, for example, and replenish my emergency fund there. But these accounts here, these are long-term savings accounts, but I'm allowed to spend that money. That's my money. I'm just earmarking it for certain stuff. So go back to, I think it's episode five, 
where I talk about how to afford everything you want, this is what I'm talking about, my long-term savings structure. Beneath that, I have my investment accounts. Now, I have many investment accounts. There is listed here a brokerage account, a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, which is probably for you a 401k rollover. And so I have multiple. I have them through Vanguard. I also have them through Charles Schwab, which was formerly TD Ameritrade. So for me, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have nine investment lines here of my Schwab accounts, my Vanguard accounts. And then I also have a simple IRA set up through my business where my company matches my investment in that fund. It's kind of like a 401k. It's just a little bit different. And then I also have Coinbase, which is for my crypto holdings. And no, I don't have a lot of those, but I do have some. So all of those are in investment. So what you're going to go do there is input all the money you have in your 401ks, your 401bs, your IRAs, any other retirement accounts and put in all the balances. Okay. Now I just want to acknowledge that sometimes the hardest part about this is just knowing what your freaking passwords are. Okay. So if this is the first time you're doing this and you're resetting all of your passwords, now's the time to get organized with a password manager. If nothing else, just start a page in your Notion or your Evernote and start writing these down so you don't have to dig them up and start a folder in your bookmarks tab so that you have all of your financial links together. Okay, this is a really good way to get financially organized. And financial organization is so important to managing your money. So make it easy on yourself, okay? The next section on here is real estate. So what you're going to put in the real estate category would be the equity value of any real estate holdings that you have, whether it's your primary residence, I have a secondary residence, or maybe a rental property in here. So you're going to put in the equity that you have or estimate the current value of your house. The next section that's in here is any business assets. So if you own a business, I want you to put in your checking, your savings number, how much money do you currently have in your savings account? And then the next line says business valuation. And essentially that's going to be different for every single person. Maybe you don't have a sellable business. Maybe you're not building a business to sell. But if you are building a business to sell, you are going to look at your company's valuation just like you were you know, going to raise capital from a venture fund. So when we look at the valuation of a company, it's how much money would somebody else pay to acquire your company? And that's going to be different for every single type of business. But it's a really good thing to look into if you're a business owner. And let me know if how many business owners do I have in the audience? Like, let me know if you want to go more into business because we absolutely can. But for example, if you look at a service-based business and you have recurring contracts, like let's look at software, for example. If you have a software service where you have recurring contracts, so people are paying you every month or every year, you would take the number of your annual contracts and you would multiply it by two to 10%. And that would give you the value of the company for somebody else to buy. That's going to be different for every single business. I have my idea of my business valuation, and it's just going to depend on what the type of business you are, you have, excuse me, and what the value is in the open market. So that might be blank for you, or that might be something that actually really improves your net worth because you need to think about your business as an asset that you own. Other business assets, that would be if you have equipment, materials, anything that your business owns that's worth money. Then we're also going to go into any other assets. So that could be vehicles. That could be the value of watches or jewelry that you have. It could be art or even antiques, or maybe you own a boat or a motorcycle. Anything that is an asset that you own, you're going to put the value in there. 
And if you haven't noticed already, it's automatically going to add up for you the total value of all of the assets that you own at the bottom of the total assets category. So again, as you need to either add or remove lines here by going to insert, and then you can add row, and that will give you enough space to put in everything that you own here, making sure that you estimate the total value of all of the assets that are to your name. Now, one more thing before I go on, I should have mentioned this at the top, but like what to do if you're married? Well, if you're married and you're in California, it's a community property state. So that means that your assets are combined, which means that your liabilities are combined. So if you are a married couple, you can use the assets of both parties in the marriage to combine this net worth together because that's shared assets, of course, unless your prenup states otherwise. But if you're single, it's pretty straightforward. If you're married, you might want to look at combining your net worths together. That's going to make you feel really good. But do remember that it does take more money to support two people after retirement, but it's something to keep in mind here. I am so happy to share that today's episode is sponsored by Emily Stead of Buy Method Financial Collective. You don't have to figure out your financial future or retirement or an investing strategy on your own. I didn't. I worked with Emily, who has been instrumental in helping me feel secure and confident in building wealth. Emily will break down any concepts I have questions on. She's super patient and she is so fun to work with. She has helped me with my investment strategy, asset allocation, fine-tuning my retirement plans, and she even set up our employer-sponsored retirement plan at AF Marketing. Schedule your consultation with Emily and tell her old money sent you. You can find her online. There is a link in our show notes or find her on social at Emily underscore by method. By the way, the information in this material is not intended as tax or legal advice. Please consult legal or tax professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation, or please consult Satara investors for more disclosure information. Find Emily in our show notes on our Instagram page or on our website and take control of your financial future today. So now let's switch gears into the liabilities category. And this is where we're talking about what you owe. So what we're looking at here are all of the debts that you have that are outstanding that have not yet been paid off. So what you're going to start with is consumer debt. I put in two lines here for credit card balances, and that is I hopefully the most that you have. If you have more, add a line. But what you're going to put in here is the total amount of debt that you owe. That's the total amount, not the monthly payments, but the total amount that's owed on the card, okay? Any other personal loans that you have, and God forbid you have any of those like buy now, pay later, affirm, or whatever they're called, that all needs to go in here. So anything that you owe gets a line. Personal loan balances, vehicle loans, anything like that. I put that all under consumer debt. And the reason that vehicle loan is under consumer debt is because a vehicle is a depreciating asset you are not going to make money using and then reselling your vehicle. So essentially, it's just a vehicle loan is consumer debt in my eyes. The next thing that I have on here is a long-term debt. So we have things like your student loan balance. Again, that's the total amount that you owe, not your monthly payments. You have your primary residence mortgage, your other mortgage balances if you have a vacation home or rental property, anything else that's in there, you need to put in long-term debt. The next category is business assets. So that would be any business credit card debt that you have. Again, the total amount, not the monthly payment. 
any other business loans. Might be helpful for me to clarify too, as it relates to businesses. I am, I'm not a sole proprietor, but I am a sole owner of a corporation. So for me, the business assets are my assets because I'm the sole owner. But if you are a part owner, a partner, or you have multiple owners of your business, that's something you want to take into consideration as well, because you don't own that full business, but you are still responsible for the business assets and liabilities. Okay. Other debt that's in here would be any taxes owed. If you have any back taxes or you need to pay anything for income or property tax, that would be listed here. Any other miscellaneous debt like a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit, medical bills. I already said business loans. What else? I mean, anything basically that you owe somebody. If you owe a bookie money, that goes in liabilities. If you owe your mom money because you borrowed something from her, that goes in liabilities. Let's get really honest so we can have a really clear picture of what it is we're looking at. So as you're going through everything here, the really easy question to answer is, do I own this or do I owe this? So again, if we look at things like a college savings plan, okay, I own that. A pension, if it's partially vested, just put in what's vested, what you actually have. Retirement accounts, investment accounts, life insurance, annuities with cash value, anything like that, that's an asset to you, gets put in the assets category. And then anything that's something that you owe, taxes, personal loans to friends, layaway programs, whatever it might be, that all goes in liabilities. And you will see at the bottom of this spreadsheet, when all is said and done and you've put all of your numbers in here, it's going to spit out a total net worth number. You could have three different scenarios. You could have a positive net worth, meaning there's money left over after you subtracted your liabilities from your assets, which is great. Congratulations. I am so proud of you. Like that is what we want to be. We want to have a positive net worth because once you are in the positive, you can continue to grow. Your money compounds on itself and you're going to be building your worth, your net worth, your net wealth. You could have a zero net worth, which means, and this would be really odd if it was really to zero, but when you subtract your liabilities from your assets, you have zero. It literally is as many assets as you own. You have as much liabilities, zero. That means you have enough assets to cover your liabilities. But if you're forced to do that, meaning you need to sell all of your assets in order to cover your liabilities, you're starting from ground zero. And the last scenario is that you have a negative net worth, meaning that if you subtract your liabilities from your assets, you have a negative number, meaning you owe more than you own which let's get real, a lot of people have a negative net worth. If you owe consumer debt, if you have student loans, if you have a mortgage, it's very likely that your liabilities outweigh your assets. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're screwed. That doesn't mean you're never going to have a positive net worth. What it means though now is that you have the numbers in front of you and you can get focused in order to build. The one thing that I will say is that consumer debt is the thing I want you to get rid of ASAP. Because if you have consumer debt and you are paying so much in interest just to borrow money that you don't have so you can buy things you don't need, if you continue with that habit, you will never build a positive net worth. And when I talk about being in debt, I mean, I've talked about this a lot from an emotional component or emotional perspective is like how I felt as a person. I really did feel tightness in my chest. I felt like I had a weight on my chest that I couldn't get off. And when I got out of debt, the freedom that I had to breathe and to dream and to grow was unlike anything that I had experienced before because I spent my whole adult life in and out of debt, essentially never really building a net worth. And now I know that 
I have a positive net worth and I can pay off my debt every single month so I can utilize credit cards to get the benefits out of them, not because I need to borrow money that I don't have. Like I said, if you are in the red, as we call it, meaning you have a negative net worth, it's okay, especially if you have student loans or mortgage or anything like that. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have a positive net worth because as you pay these things down, what's going to happen as you build equity or even I think of student loans in some some scenarios as a positive investment. If you are taking out a student loan to get a specialized education so you can go do a career that takes that specialized education and you're going to get compensated appropriately for it, go get that student loan, sister. You're going to pay it off forever. But like I always use the example of a dentist. Like You can be making high six figures within 10 years of being a dentist. You're going to pay off your student loans very, very quickly so long as you're financially responsible, right? So if you are in the red and you want to be talking about, or even, hey, what if you're in the green? What if you are in a positive net worth, but you're still interested in growing your net worth? Let's talk about how you can increase it. Well, here's the thing. This is the easiest money equation in all of personal finance. It's just one subtraction problem. Assets minus liabilities equals net worth. There's two variables, assets and liabilities. So if you want to increase your net worth, you need to increase the assets that you own and reduce the liabilities that you owe. So one of the quickest ways to increase your net worth if you have liabilities is to pay off your debt. Number one thing, that's the first thing you need to focus on. If you have high liabilities, consumer debt, pay those suckers off and all of a sudden you're going to be in the green. Even if it's just a little bit, there is something so powerful about building a net worth that is your own. It's like your nest egg. It's it's what you're working so hard for, right? It's a number you want to see grow. So eliminating the number of liabilities and the volume of liabilities that you owe, that's going to make a massive improvement in your net worth. And then secondarily, increase your assets that you own or purchase assets that increase in value. So that could be something like a home. That could be something like starting a business or investing in a business. You could be working more hours at your current job. You could be an hourly employee. You could find a better paying job. You could start a side hustle. You could throw that extra money into investments and you will see your money compound and grow for you and that will increase your net worth. So again, if you wanna improve your net worth, increase your net worth, your net wealth, you need to limit your liabilities. You need to get rid of your debt and then you need to increase your assets, which means earning more, investing more, growing more and getting really conscious about it. So with this tracker, what I typically do, as I mentioned, is I update it about every 90 days. And over time, you're gonna have a lot of columns. So let me see my tracker here. I started in column D and I've tracked it so many times. I'm in AC, meaning I've gone through the whole alphabet and then some. So I've tracked it every 90 days about, I don't know, maybe not as often as I think since 2016. And the growth, I mean, of me as a person and me financially is absurd. Honestly, it's it's a great number to look at and it tells me that I'm going in the right direction but also it took me a really long time to get momentum. I mean, between 2016, I started my business in 2018. So I basically, in 2018, I stopped spending all my money. I saved everything that I could and I saved up a bunch of money so that I would have runway or enough money to support myself so that I could start that business and not take a salary from that business for the first like year and a half that I had it. So I was basically living off savings, meaning my net worth went up 
when I was saving that money, right? And then I quit my job. And then I started to burn through that savings. So my net worth went down. And that can be the nature of it, especially with investing overall. Your net worth will fluctuate probably over time. But the majority of your energy should just be into focusing on building this net worth. So if you want to be a high net worth or ultra high net worth person, this is the best way to get started in tracking So I hope it's helpful for you. The net worth tracker can be found again, oldmoneypodcast.com slash net worth. And it's free to download. Send it to your friends. Send it to your mom. We love to see beautiful, healthy, happy, growing, positive net worths. And let me know if you download the spreadsheet, if it helps you. I can't wait to hear how it goes for you in tracking this. And I hope that you know that the first day that you track is just your starting point. There's nowhere to go but up, especially with Old Money Podcast in your pocket. I've got you, girl. We're building this wealth together. We're getting rich together. Thank you so much for being on this episode with me. Let me know if you have any questions at all, oldmoneypodcast at gmail.com or send me a DM on social at oldmoneypodcast. I love you guys so, so much. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Feeling rich? I hope so. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Old Money. If you have questions you want answered, email me at oldmoneypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social. We are at oldmoneypodcast and I am at your service. If this episode spoke to you, inspired you, helped you, if you took a single note, it would mean the world to me if you could please just take a minute to rate and review the podcast. And if you're not doing so already, subscribe. And if you have friends who like getting rich, please share this episode with them, even if it's just on your Instagram story. And I'd love you more than Jeff Bezos loves Amazon Prime. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you on the next episode. Remember, I'm not your lawyer. I'm not your tax professional. And I'm not your financial advisor. The content presented in this podcast is intended to entertain, educate, inspire, and support listeners and their personal and professional development and does not constitute business, financial, or legal advice. In addition to that, this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. 